officially live a minute early, but I'm just waiting for the next minute to see if anybody jumps on. Hi, Soph. You remembered that 8 p.m. Eastern is 6 p.m. Mountain Standard. I hope other people remember. <laughs> oh, and my husband. Hi, hi, Cor. Hello, Cornelius. Hello, Spamusa. Hello, Hadley, my 14-year-old. She's so supportive. Precious. If you're wondering why I'm sitting in the dark, dark like a creep, it's because our closet at the Airbnb doesn't have a door on it. And I think it's really messy, yucky looking to be showing my closet in the background without a door on it. So I have to keep it creepy dark so that you see this and not all of my clothes in the closet. Lower the camera, erase the chair. Well, the chair like falls backwards and I feel like I'm gonna fall backward and I was just kind of being comfy and cross-legged, but I can try to lower the camera a little bit. I don't really know what I'm doing. Is this better or should I lower it more? Left side, right side, left side, right side. Look at my cute earrings my granny made. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's officially 8.01, so I can officially start my blabbing. And today's topic of blabbing is self-care because I learned, Cor, Cor told me, don't look at the camera, look at the, or look at the camera, not at the my face, so. It's probably better to look at the camera anyways because then I don't focus on like that zit and other things. Anyway, after I'd already decided that this week's topic was going to be self-care, I found out that it's actually National Self-Care Month. I didn't even know that was a thing, but I'm pretty excited because we're talking about self-care and self-care, National Self-Care Month is happening right now. And so it's a, it's perfect timing, perfect timing, totally on accident. Hi to Holland. Holland, hello. I won't say any cuss words because my sweet Holland and Junie are watching. <laughs> they don't need to hear Aunt George cuss. And Derek, he's, he's tender too, I'm sure. He doesn't need to hear me cuss either. Okay, self-care. Oh, and before we even go into self-care, because I, hi honey. Benna through the door. Benna creeping behind me? Benna what? Anyway, before we get into self-care, I want to touch on like the big news of the day is that Queen Elizabeth II passed away today. She was 96. Cor's grandma passed away a few weeks ago at 94. They were very close in age and everything like that. And of course, sweet grandma Brown wasn't like internationally known like Queen Elizabeth II and like we saw a we went to a tour of a local performing arts center tonight and on the way there they had a big giant flag that was flying at half mast for Queen Elizabeth II I thought that was so sweet and nice touching 
you know, remembrance of her and everything like that. And it made me think about sweet, our sweet girl Brown who passed away recently. And times of grief or times of loss, things like that can be times when we really need to recognize what we're feeling and pay attention to those feelings. And they could be a really good time to give yourself some self-care because self-care can take a lot of different forms and you need to pay attention to when your body is telling you you need self-care. These are things that I've learned. I'm not a professional. These are things that I have learned in my experience and in trying to utilize coping mechanisms and whatnot. And so self-care, I was trying to think of like, how would I define self-care? Because what the heck is it? Um, and I, the definition that I came up with, I don't know if it's accurate, but this is my definition for self-care. Um, self-care is the choices that we make in order to make our life better or happier long-term. So not necessarily short-term gratifications, but choices we make things we do to make our life better, not just right in the second, but long-term, that's self-care. Things we're doing to help our life be happier and better. Um, uh, self-care is a coping mechanism. It's, there are lots of different kinds of coping mechanisms, but coping mechanisms are things that are healthy for us that help us. So for example, doing drugs, I wouldn't count as self-care because it's not healthy for you. It may be an unhealthy coping mechanism, but in order for it to be actual self-care, it needs to be a healthy coping mechanism that we use to better our life. So binge eating, this is something that I have had personal struggles with in my own life. It's something I still to this day have to struggle with. Binge eating, is a definitely a coping mechanism, but it's not a healthy coping, coping mechanism. It's not a long-term help for my life to help me be better or happier long-term. So, so binge eating would also be one that maybe, maybe a coping mechanism, but it's not self-care. Um, even aside from doing drugs, even drinking, if you're drinking to excess, if you're drinking more than, you know, what is reasonable or what is good for you, heavy drinking, drinking all the time, things like that. It's a coping mechanism. That's definitely a way that people cope with things that are hard in their life, but it's not a healthy coping mechanism and it's not something that's going to help them long-term. Um, with bariatric, I started this whole account as a way to chronicle my journey with having bariatric surgery and my life changes in that regard. And it's become more of a, my life change in every regard account. And one of the dangers with having bariatric surgery that I've talked to lots of people um, on our two different trips to Mexico and just in general on social media, whatever, one of the struggles that people can sometimes run into after having bariatric surgery is they have transfer addiction and so that means before surgery, they struggled with addiction to food, addiction to overeating, addiction to food as a coping mechanism, a binge eating, all that kind of stuff. They struggled with those kind of things before having bariatric surgery. And then they have bariatric surgery and life starts getting bad and they lose all this weight and it's fantastic. But they need a coping mechanism and they it's hard with like a teeny tiny little tummy 
to binge eat or to do these things that they used to do to comfort themselves and to cope. And so they turn to other things they can do like drinking or drugs or shopping. Uh, a lot of people are like, self-care, go to Target, buy yourself a bunch of clothes and a Starbucks. Is it self-care? Is it not self-care? Like it can be a form, I'm not saying it can't be, but if you're having a transfer addiction from food addiction to shopping addiction, and you say that going and spending a bunch of money is helping you with self-care, is that real? Is that really healthy for you as a coping mechanism long-term? I would say not. That's why we gotta be a little bit mindful about it. Um, I have to pay attention, I've noticed myself. I've always kind of had a little bit of a spending, like an, as a coping mechanism wanting to spend. That's always been a struggle for me. I think that's like a genetic thing because <laughs> that's a problem in other generations of my family as well. But I've always, you know, that's always never something that's been super, but I've been mindful lately, like, huh, I think I'm using spending as like just constantly wanting to go on Amazon or and buy something or go on Shein and buy something or go to Target and buy something or, oh, girls, let's go on an on a after school trip to here or to there to there spend 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 and i'm like what am i co you know what am i using this cope cope unhealthy coping mechanism for like this needing to spend and so i've been trying to be more mindful about it lately and not luckily luckily we have some tools in place core and i to core is my husband to help uh, keep that in check a little bit in budgeting and I'm going to talk about that later budgeting as a form of self-care but okay so when I knew I was talking about self-care tonight and this topic and everything I was browsing the social medias about the topic of self-care and the interwebs Hester the interwebs I was browsing and learning about what other people thought self-care was because I wanted to have things talking points. And I found an Instagram account that's called Parent Self-Care. And they have some good posts on there. Like everything you take with a grain of sand. You have to approach everything with the have good things. You know, might be some things I don't agree with. You don't have to agree with everything to agree with some things about a person or a group or whatever. That's emotional maturity and learning to, you know, I call them wisdom nuggets, learning to take wisdom nuggets where you can get them. Even if you don't fully agree with everything a person or a group says or does or believes. Okay, so this parent self-care, this is like a screenshot of one of their posts that's printed very poorly on my printer, but it's talking about coping skills, okay? So when you're feeling worried or sad or mad, like if today the passing of Queen Elizabeth II hit you hard, or maybe because it reminds us of like great grandma or my kids great grandma our grandma brown just passing maybe it hits you with some sad feelings sad worried mad any of those kind of things you turn to coping skills okay everybody uses coping skills whether or not they're healthy everybody and whether or not they have any kind of coping skills people have to deal with those feelings somehow and so like you can go for a short-term relief of the feel like um, what's gonna make me feel me you know better immediately in this morning in this moment in this moment what's gonna make me feel better this is short-term relief 
and this qualifies as self-indulgence. And I was thinking like, hmm, what's an example of self-indulgence indulgence for me? Shopping could be one. Shopping could be like, oh, I'm feeling so stressed or I'm thinking about how I'm unemployed. I don't know why it stresses me out so badly that I'm unemployed right now. Like I should be loving this moment and just not should, I'm not gonna shit all over myself. I could be loving this moment and utilizing this time and like bettering myself in ways that I want to, but I usually don't have the time to. All these things I could be doing, but instead I'm like sick and stressed and I feel unproductive. Like I have this need to constantly be productive. I don't know where this, I, I don't know what it is. But so for short-term relief, instead of like thinking about where these feelings are coming from and trying to deal with it in a more mature, emotionally mature way and a more healthy coping mechanism, I'm like, ooh, I gotta get online and buy something. Or I want chocolate right now. I want a whole bowl, a whole bag of popcorn. It's a slider food. I want a whole bag of Costco microwave popcorn with garlic on it. Yum, yum, yum. And on top of that bag of stuffing my face with that whole bag of popcorn, then I'm gonna stop at the gas station and get a king size Carmelo. Okay, so that short-term relief I'm looking for for this stress and this worry I'm feeling, that coping skill I turn to is that short-term relief, which is self-indulgence. I want popcorn. I want chocolate. I want a new outfit. I don't know, whatever. I, I usually spend my money on other people, so it's still self-indulgence. It's still trying to make me feel better, but all right. And then... So this whole idea with it, the coping skills, if you wanted, if I took the time to think about this and thought, oh, I'm feeling these feelings, I need to take care of myself, I need some self-care, then I'd go for a long-term relief and that's what self-care is. Self-care is not self-indulgence. Self-care is back to that made-up definition I wrote down, is that it's the choices we make to make our life better or happier long-term. And so instead of choosing self-indulgence in a moment of high emotion, we can choose self-care to kind of soothe and help us through those emotions, feel those emotions and then get through them in a healthy, productive kind of way. Um, I liked this other chart I found Laura Hartlines is where the graphic came from. It's a cute little chart, but it says self-care can be, and it gives all these examples of what self-care might look like because I 100% know and believe strongly that self-care looks different for every person. Self-care can be asking for help. This is huge. One of the most powerful moments of my whole life was asking for help and it was not easy and that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother discussion. But asking for help is definitely self-care. Um, spending time alone. This is this could be a big one. I, I've heard before like, oh, you shouldn't be alone right now. Maybe you should. Like sometimes spending time alone is essential for people. Go on a walk by yourself. Or my former counselor when I was back in Idaho had suggested 
for me to go somewhere by myself because I couldn't even think of the last time I had gone anywhere by myself and done something by myself. And so I started like planning a trip for me and my dog to Yellowstone and then Yellowstone like the flooding and the collapsing and the whole park got closed. I'm like, huh, it's fate. <laughs> so I haven't done the me by myself yet, but I still have it on my to-do list. All right, self-care can be putting yourself first. So much, at least in the society that I grew up in, so much is out there to tell you, if you put yourself first, you are a selfish bleeper bleeper. You are failing. You are unrighteous. You are whatever. There's a lot out there telling you you should never put yourself first. Um, put others before yourself. And that is an unhealthy trap. As an unhealthy, healthy trap to fall into. Um, Sophie, what are some of your tried and true ways? Tried and true ways of... Um, I must. I was talking too much and I didn't see what you were see when you posted so I'm not sure which one you're talking about let me know tried and true ways like healthy coping mechanisms for self-care is that what you mean oh awesome yes I'm going through these different suggestions of whoever made this said about what self-care can look like and I'm gonna talk about what self-care is in my life next for sure um Okay, so putting yourself first is important. Like, it's not like you got to be selfish a-hole all the time. But you're not a selfish a-hole for putting yourself first. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone. It's that old saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's true. And not all of us are mamas. But if you aren't happy, then it's going to be difficult for anyone around you to be happy. Especially if you're a mama or a parent, especially you got to take care of yourself first or you're not going to be able to take care of your kids in the way that they need to and deserve to be taken care of. And that took me a very long time to learn that. Um, thank goodness my sweet, sweet daughters survived their young childhood to this point because I'm just barely reaching the emotional maturity. I still have a long way to go, but I'm just barely reaching the emotional maturity to be able to realize some things that I never realized before. And one of those things is that I got to take care of myself first. It's like when you're on an airplane and the oxygen mask comes down, you put yours on first before you help other people. Okay. Another big thing self-care can be asking for what you need. Why is this so hard? Why is it so hard to ask for the things we need. Seriously. Seriously. Oh, TikTok's ruined me. But why is it so hard to ask for what you need? It really, really is. Um, and like relationships. <laughs> this is another place. I've been married for over 15 years. Like 15 and a half years. I'm finally, finally starting to a little bit more ask for what I need. Instead of having like microaggressions and passive aggressiveness. Am I still glitching or am I working? I'm gonna give it a second. I'm sorry that I'm bringing it back to literature. This is the English teacher in me, but I've got to, like, I have to use what I know. So, To Kill a Mockingbird versus Go Set a Watchman. 
everybody loves to kill to kill a mockingbird it's like one of the great all-time classics is you know to go set a watchman everyone i talk to hates it well almost everyone some of my like really nerdy literature friends ashley where you at girl i love you love like they like that one better than the first one which is a, a mind-boggling but the reason i realized after much thinking about this and the horrible way i felt after i read read ghost at a watchman um it's because ghost at a watchman is about reality it's about truth and reality and like coming out of that fantasy of childhood and that protective barrier that fantasy is to get us through our childhood into like the harsh reality of adulthood and so this one's truth real and true and hard truth and to kill a mockingbird's more from the perspective of a of a child who still has that protection of fantasy that at some point we need that adult reality and in that adult reality we need to ask for the things we need we can't expect other people to know what we need without us you know just to magically know they're like hey I'm really struggling right now I need help with this or hey my birthday's coming up and I just really need to be the center of attention for a whole day <laughs> hey for some people it's a week or a month so just give me a day give me a day where I am a princess but if we want people to know that we got to tell them I need some people need words of affirmation. I need to hear about the good things I'm doing. Sometimes that's very helpful for people to have the words. Sometimes people need touch. I am not that person. The touch thing is really hard for me. I struggle with the touch thing. So, but I know if that's something you need, I have friends who that that is their love language. They need hugs. They need touch. And you have to be able to, you know, communicate that because if you can't, you'll never get your needs fulfilled because people aren't going to magically know what you need. Oh, self-care can be setting boundaries. There's so much good stuff out there about setting boundaries. You have to set boundaries. Um, oh gosh, it's like I just read, I just saw a meme or something that said like setting a boundary is not building a wall. It's closing, you know, installing a door. It's... You're not just completely blocking things out. You're putting a door there saying like, hey, I'm setting a boundary here. Boundaries are important. Boundaries protect you. They protect your mental well-being and you have to figure out what boundaries work for you and what you need in order for you to be a mentally healthy, functioning human being. What boundaries are important to help that happen? And then actually setting them and sticking to them, that's the hardest part. I have a hard time with boundaries. That's something I'm working on all the time. Self-care can be staying at home. This is another one of that spending time alone, staying at home thing. Some people would say, like my mind would say, you're not being productive. You're not doing enough. You're whatever, whatever. Sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you need a mental health day. Sometimes it's like, or if there's like a big get together, a big event, being able to recognize like, I'm not in the mental headspace to do this right now. And so I'm going to choose to stay home instead. 
that's an emotionally mature moment and it's self-care that is 100% self-care recognizing that this is not the best choice for my mental health right now saying no oh my gosh who else raise your hand raise your hand if you have a really hard time with the saying no why am I such a people pleaser what made me such a people pleaser there's so much deep counseling to go through there which we're not even going to touch on but I am the world's one of one of I'm, I'm sure some of you are also but I'm a big people pleaser and saying no is really really a difficult thing to do so raise your hand if you're with me raise your hand if the saying no is a challenging like why do we put so much shame and guilt on ourselves for saying no when saying no is a way of protecting yourself again that's putting yourself first which in a lot of walks of life we're taught is selfish we're taught is sinful maybe or wrong whatever i don't know what all the perfect ways to frame it are but sometimes you have to put yourself first and sometimes saying no and putting yourself first and setting that boundary is the best form of self-care there is not that i'm great at it because i am so bad at saying no but when you can say no like i remember not too many months ago we were getting ready to move and i kind of had a lot on my plate and stuff but i also was kind of a school's done so i also we moved in with my in-laws and there was a play that i it sounded so good and like i got asked to come audition for it and i a huge part of me was like heck yes i want to go audition i love doing plays i want to audition i want to do this but i had to like sit back and think mental health wise is this a good idea for you and i even like worked through it with my counselor talked to her about it too sometimes saying no is essential to your mental health like would i have loved that show if i got to do that show heck yes i would have loved that show i would have loved that part it would have been great memories yeah i wouldn't have regretted it but i probably mental health wise did not need all of that extra stress at that moment in my life it was a pretty good idea for me to say no it was a pretty good choice to set that boundary and have my self-care in mind by saying no and there's a million other examples and things saying no to volunteer things like you want a lot of times put in your head that like you're a better person for all that kind of stuff and yeah they're great things and it can make you a better person volunteering self-care volunteering can be self-care it really can but it can also be self-care to say no i can't do that right now hopefully you know maybe some other time all right another big really hard one forgiving yourself i feel like when it comes to forgiving other people i'm very forgiving to a fault forgiving of other people but when it comes to forgiving myself, not so much. That one is definitely, like I'll beat myself up for things I did when I was, I don't know, 11 years old. I don't know. I don't want to start thinking of specifics because oh, I already worked all through that and therapy don't want to work through it again. But being able to forgive yourself, not 
beat yourself up for every little thing. That is self-care. Forgiving yourself is self-care 100%. We all need that self-care in our life. Forgive yourself. Nobody's perfect. Okay. That's actually one of the good wisdom nuggets I take from religion. And uh, maybe I'll touch on this later if I have time, but you can take wisdom nuggets from all over the place. And as I was saying, it doesn't mean you fully walk in that walk of life or it doesn't mean you fully believe or do everything that that uh, walk of life practices or teaches or that person or religion or way of thinking, whatever, ideology. But you can still take wisdom nuggets from all over the place and use those wisdom nuggets to help you be a more fulfilled human being and a better human being. Oh, self-care can be just taking a step back. I had to take a step back from teaching. It was one of the hardest step backs I ever had to take because I loved, loved teaching. And I loved my students. I loved my students even more than I loved teaching. Um, and even just admitting that I needed to take a step back was so difficult. Like, it was gut-wrenching. But it's one of the very best forms of self-care I ever took for my long-term mental well-being. Taking a step back is sometimes the best form of self-care you can do. Okay, I went through that whole gamut, that whole little list I've gone through. All the little asking for help, spending time alone, putting yourself first, asking for what you need, setting boundaries, staying at home, saying no, forgiving yourself, taking a step back. These are all the reason I printed off because these are all really great examples of self-care. When you're defining self-care as I did as a way of long-term relief or as a way of um, coping with all of your emotions in a way that's effective long-term for your own betterment and your own mental wellness. So now I've shared those lovely charts with you and talked about those things. I want to talk about a little bit more about what that looks like for me in my own life because I can only go off what my own experiences are. I don't know. I don't have advanced degrees in any of in psychology or in counseling or anything like that. I am not a medical professional or a mental health professional in any may I don't claim to be. I am just a person who is trying to learn how to be a stronger, more emotionally fortified human being. And I'm trying to share some of my coping mechanisms and experiences with you so that maybe we can relate and maybe we can help each other. That's where I'm coming from. Do not claim to be professional. And if you need help from somebody who is a professional, please ask for help. Self-care, ask for help. It's very important. All right. Okay, so for me, uh, emotional maturity, as I've got not just older age-wise, but emotionally, after lots and lots of different therapy and counseling and different mental health professionals, all that kind of stuff, one of the things was recognizing what works for me in my life to help me be mentally healthy and what does not work. Um, what works and what hurts. Like, what works, what hurts? And sometimes things that hurt aren't necessarily horrible. Like, my daughter is starting swim. 
and she's never done swim before and today was her first like private lesson to get her ready for her tryout and it was hard like she did great she did better than i even expected like a lot better i was i was shocked and i was so proud but it was hard it was difficult i've learned not to say hard it was difficult and i told her like yeah it's always hard before it gets easy it's always difficult like it always hurts like the muscles and the building up the stamina and i learned that sports growing up myself but so i'm not saying that everything that hurts is necessarily bad there's always growing pains there's always but in general recognize what works and what hurts and taking good wisdom nuggets from anywhere in your life um for me religion was not working it was not helping it started as a just noticing things that like i didn't necessarily and I don't want to go too into depth. This, like I said, is a whole other episode or something. No, things that like, there's a cognitive dissonance. Like I would sit there and I'd hear things they were saying, but I did not believe those things, but I was still trying to practice things that I didn't really believe in. And that was causing this cognitive dissonance and this discomfort, which got worse and worse. And then it got to the point where I was having panic attacks. When I went to church, I was having panic attacks. Um, and so I took a step back, stopped going and things just escalated and i realized eventually like maybe like for some people if that helps them be emotionally healthy that is for them and that is self-care for them and i'm supportive of that but for me it was not that case it was it was not so i decided that even if i don't subscribe to any kind of organized religion which i don't know if i ever will again but even if i don't I can still take wisdom nuggets from those things. I can still take goodness and wisdom and things that help me from anywhere. I can take any, and there is still stuff I carry with me from when I was, you know, religious. I still carry some of that stuff with me and I always will because if it benefits me mental health wise and if it contributes to my happiness and to me being a I don't want to say good because that's so arbitrary, but if it contributes to me being an emotionally mature and a kind and a loving human being and you know, whatever, then I, I, I could take it from anywhere. And so something that I always think about that I still think about it came from religion that I still practice and I still believe is true is the concept that faith without works is dead. Okay. This concept means a lot because wishing, praying, manifesting is pointless without dedicated action. So, and I still hundred percent believe this. Like, and I've seen it in my own life. All that time I spent wishing and whatever, like sitting back, wishing and praying and hoping and my internet is poop when I started uh, saying out loud the things I wanted and then taking dedicated action to work towards those things and I had a lot of help from counselors and mental health professionals urging me to do those kind of things but it my life started getting happier and better and I remember for like years since I was like a kid and in high school I would always wish and pray and hope to be happy like that was my thing that was like this weird always like what does happiness even look like but that was something I spent so long and I kind of chased over what I thought I needed to make me happy or whatever um, 
but until I took like actual action and like figuring out who I was and making dedicated action towards being happy and things that I thought would help me be happier, nothing ever happened, you know? Hopefully that makes sense. Faith without works is dead. Um, wanting or believing without actually doing does nothing. And I think that little wisdom nugget helps. And that kind of comes with self-care. Like, there's not dedicated action to care for yourself. It Things never get better. If you don't take dedicated action to make your life happier, you'll never be happier. You'll be me growing up and getting older and just wishing on stars and praying and whatever for to be happy and never understanding what that meant and never doing anything to get it. Oh, okay, so this one's gonna sound like kind of odd, but this is a budgeting. This is, comes down to budgeting. And this also connects to the idea that you can take wisdom nuggets and good from any walk of life, whether or not you agree with everything, you can take the wisdom and use it to make your life better. So budgeting is big and that's a big self-care for me because it helps with the not falling into that transfer addiction of spending. It helps with that not giving into that self-indulgent temporary relief of spending. Budgeting and financial health in general directly affects my mental health. It's, and I'm, I think that's true for everybody. Your financial health and whatever's happening for you financially directly affects your mental health. Um, money is so stressful and not making your money work for you is even more stressful. And that whole, that sentence just came from learning from Dave Ramsey. Okay, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says and I don't necessarily agree with like his whole philosophies or who he is or anything like that. But he has a lot of wisdom nuggets in how he teaches people to take care of their money like there's a lot of good there so you can take the good there and let that good help you improve your life <laughs> um some of the wisdom nuggets i loved that i learned in my former years from taking his class and whatnot was live within your means like that's a big live within your means and you have to know what your means are in order to live within them but live within your means. Um, he always encouraged an envelope uh, budgeting system. I'm, we're more, I don't know, technologically inclined than paper envelopes, carrying them around than that. And so that, that aspect of it didn't really work, but we found an app that's like an envelope system on an app. It's called a like good budget, I think is the app. I'm not, advertising for them because they're in no way paying me. They don't even know I exist. But I love the Good Budget app and it's been great for us. Great for us in the budgeting and I always know what we have and where it's going and we're putting a name on every dollar kind of thing that he says. And that's so helpful because my financial health being healthier and by budgeting all stuff, this self-care of budgeting has made my emotional health so much better. Yeah, financial stuff helps. Um, he talks about an emergency fund, that's very important. Um, paying off your debt, oh, nothing feels better in the world than being able to get some of that taken care of so it's not just like looming over you, that's self-care. Self-care. Um, 
hopefully hopefully you guys can experience on that too okay physical health talking about prioritizing your physical health um, this ties back into my bariatric choices and choosing to have surgery which some people are very adamantly opposed to and they think that it's like cheating or they think it's lazy or whatever they think but every person has their own journey every person has their own battles and my choice to have bariatric surgery to help me was so important <laughs> and I'm not saying that everybody who weighs 327 pounds should feel bad about their body I would never say that if you weigh 327 pounds which is my weight you know when I had to weigh in to tell them how much I weighed when I was applying to get surgery if you weigh that and you feel like a queen and you feel or a king and you feel fantastic about yourself and you are confident you don't need to change a thing you are perfect but if you were like me and you were having health problems and you wanted to be able to do choreography on stage and blocking without just tearing your knees up with bruises or being able to get up and down off the stage floor and not have special adaptations or special accommodations or something made for you in the blocking and choreography because you're so big. Like that was, you know, happening to me. Um, or you don't get to do certain roles or certain things because you're, you know, <laughs> it costs too much to costume you or change outfits or costumes or whatever. And it wasn't just about theater. That's just one example that's coming to mind. I have three daughters. I wanted to be able to go on hikes with them. I wanted to be able to be more physically active and be more involved in those kind of ways without just getting tired. Um, and so losing a lot of that weight that was making those things hard for me was a very important for my mental health. And having that surgery helped me a lot. Uh, it's not a magic tool. It's not gonna make everything get better. I'm still struggling every single day with getting rid of some of my bad negative coping mechanisms that I had from before surgery. And I'm having to work through that and try to find self-care that is long-term and that is not self-indulgent. I have to think a lot about what I put in my body matters. Um, how much I move matters. And now that movement is much easier for me because I've lost over 100 pounds. Um, I can do more and I feel better when I move more. Like, it's like on Legally Blonde when she ex she exercises and that gives you endorphins and endorphins make you happy. There's truth to that. Like, now that I'm more physically active, I it does make you happier. It helps a lot. Um, and I now that I can move more, it's it's like self-care for me. Movement is self-care for me, and it's very, very good. Um, binge eating. That was self-indulgent. That was an unhealthy coping mechanism I used to have before surgery, and I still find myself struggling. I will not lie. Today. Today. The reason why this example is so um, on point, I don't know so accurate is because today I was stressing about who knows what sometimes I can't even pinpoint what I'm stressed and the like I told you just not working stresses me out which I, I'm trying to get myself to just relax and breathe and not do this but 
I ate a whole Kirkland pop bag of microwave popcorn with garlic on it because I love garlic. And then as I drove to pick Ellie up from school, okay, the commute to get my kids to and from school every day is insane. And it takes both Cora and I, and it's like a three hour, if you count both before and after school, it's like a three hour ordeal. So it's intense. But on the way to pick Ellie up, I had to stop and get gas because I was completely out of gas. And instead of just getting my gas and leaving, I had to go in the store and buy myself a big old cosmic brownie and like the Oreos and cream brownie. Uh, and I ate half of each one because I saved the other halves for Ellie. But I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I binging? Why am I eating, 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 eating? Because I'm stressed about not having a job. Like, and it doesn't even matter doesn't even matter really that I don't have a job it's just I have this need in me to be productive and what is productive anyway unhealthy coping mechanisms right there not self-care that was not caring for myself by eating that popcorn and eating those brownies to make me feel better that was not self-care that was self-indulgent that's like I want to make you feel better right in the second because you know serotonin released to the brain with that chocolate and then in 30 minutes, you're going to feel like crap. So I, something for self-care, I need to work, or not need, I don't want to put certain words, just not good. I, I want to find celebrations and I want to find self-care that is not food related. And maybe that could be some kind of, like, I don't love exercise. Well, let's be honest and keep it real. At this moment, I don't love it. But maybe the reason why I've never really loved it is because I've never really been physically active enough to be in shape enough to like it. Or maybe I haven't found the right things. I don't know. But I would like to find self-care that is not related to food. So that when I get those feelings and I need to have that release of serotonin or the release I can turn to arts and crafts or you know, remodeling furniture, I, I love doing that kind of stuff. Or painting, I love arts. I'm not the best at it, but I love to get better. Writing, I, something, there's like some kind of mental block that's keeping me from just writing and I haven't written in so long, but I love writing and I'd love to do more of it and turn to that instead of turning to binge eating, which is a self-indulgent negative coping mechanism that I, have, it's a crutch and I want to move away from it. I want to find self-care, not self-indulgent behaviors, coping mechanisms. Um, a career slash your dreams. Okay, this is, this is self-care when you allow yourself to know what you want and to go for it. Um, you can. There are going to be a lot of people that lie to you. You can have it all. You can. Um, pushing your dreams aside because they're selfish or they won't benefit your long-term uh, mental wellness. I don't know. I don't, maybe my notes are bad right there because it won't benefit your long-term self-wellness. I don't know about that. But, oh no, pushing your dreams aside because they're self selfish won't benefit your long-term mental wellness. You'll just always have that in the back of your head, like, why didn't I ever do those things? Because they, it was selfish. It's okay. It's okay to do things that make you happy, that make you feel fulfilled. And it does not make you selfish. It makes you 
emotionally mature. Um, I wrote a cussy here on my notes, and I will not cuss if Holland and Junie are watching. Good night. I love you. And, but, to heck, I can say heck, to heck with what you're supposed to do or be. Every person is their own human. Every person is their own human. Only judge yourself against yourself. Stop judging yourself against every other human. You are not every other human. You are your own human being. And do not do what you're supposed to do. Do what your heart, you know, what you and your heart want to do and what's going to make you happy. Um, part of, you know, chasing after your dream or your career or whatever you want to do is making time to be able to do that, making a plan. You know, setting a goal, setting goals and chasing it. That's all self-care. Even if it's like baby goals, smart goals. Teacher side of me again. And then, you know, achieving as you go. Make a path to help you get there. Because the time's going to pass no matter what. And time passes so fast. It flies. And, you know, before you know it, a year's going to be passed. Are you, where are you going to be in a year? Do you want to be in the same exact spot where you are right now? Is this where you're happy? Or is there some other place you want to be or some other, and maybe not a physical place, but like a psychological place or an emotional place or a financial place or career place, whatever. Where do you want to be? If you could say, if you could say, close your eyes and picture fantasy land, picture what you would want your life to look like in one year, what would that look like? And then say, what steps would I have to take they won't be real unless you say them out loud and write them down so what steps would i have to take to be in that spot in a year from now and then start working towards getting there and maybe it will take you a little bit longer than a year or maybe it'll take 10 years but that time's going to pass either way and so self-care is helping yourself get to where you want to be self-care is choosing yourself and prioritizing yourself and that's healthy because that's going to help you be mentally well long term Hi, Emily. Oh, it says Holland has heard a few swears in her two plus years. And some of them were probably from me. I apologize, Holland. You'll probably hear more. I'm not going to lie. Just remember, I love you. <laughs> I love you. And in my heart, I'm a decent human being. Even if I sometimes have a potty mouth. So, yeah. That's okay, so. My children have heard some from me, too. My favorite story is when I was driving down El Rancho Hill and the roads were all frozen. And all of a sudden, in in my minivan, my big black minivan, my car started doing cookies going down the hill. And there's all these cars parked on the side of the... And I know that I'm about to take out, like, five cars or something. And I wasn't going fast or anything. It was just terrible roads. And... I said, oh, shiz, but not shiz, like 50 times as our car's spinning and we're, you know, careening down the hill. Oh, shiz, oh, shiz, oh, shiz, oh, shiz. And then we finally stop and we haven't hit a single car and it's miraculous and we're still okay and everything's good. And I'm like, how is this even possible? And I just continue driving and take them to school. And Ben was like, whoa, 
you said the S word a lot, mom. And I was like, yeah, yeah, girls, that is what we call a shit show. Mm -hmm. It was pretty funny. Like in the moment, I was so proud of myself for being so witty. <laughs> and the girls thought it was pretty funny too, actually. So even though they were shocked at how many times I said the big S, but it was scary. Also, I don't do roller coasters very often because roller coasters scare the bejeebies out of me. I once passed out on one and I've never been the same. But when I do ride roller coasters, like the little roller coaster at New York, New York and Las Vegas, I rode with Ellie. She heard a good selection of swears on that roller coaster. Turns out when I'm like panicking, it must be like careening down the hill doing cookies. It must be the panic moment. Turns out when I'm panicking and thinking that I'm gonna die or something, I say a lot, a lot of cuss words. I'm gonna check my, oh, it is almost perfectly timed. All of that blabbing and I got, I covered all the things I wanted to cover about self-care and taking care of yourself because you are worth it. And self-care is not self-indulgence. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is prioritizing you so that you can be better for everything else. And especially in the role of being a parent, it's essential because you cannot be the best you if you don't take care of you and love you. Um, remember that we all use coping mechanisms and you can figure out if they're going to be self-indulgent coping mechanisms that are just short-term gratification and then no good to you long-term or long-term solutions that are actually self-care that will help your mental well-being in the long run so find those healthy long-run coping mechanisms to help you give yourself self-care to cope with all of the stress that we all go through and all of the motions that we all experience and it's healthy to experience Find those healthy coping mechanisms so that you can care for yourself and you can be better and have mental wellness long term. That was the big wisdom nugget that I wanted to share with you tonight. And from my dark, creepy room, because I don't want you to see my inside my closet, because there's no door on my closet in this lovely Airbnb. All right. I will let you all get back to your lives. I love you too, Soph. Thank you so much for humoring me and watching me. I have fun doing these things. I hope more people can join us in the future and that they can find some wisdom nugget out of these things and that they can enjoy them. But they are good for me. They are self-care for me. They help my mental well-being because it helps me work through some things, which I think is good. And it's cheaper than paying my therapist, but I will find a new therapist here in <laughs> North Carolina before too long. That's a big self-care for me is regular counseling and therapy with a, with a professional. All right. I hope you all have a fantastic night. Tell yourself I am safe. I am loved. I am enough and believe it because it's true. And I will see you next Thursday eight o'clock Eastern time and 